When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. You're a bully. That's what you are. You're a bully. <laughs> You're a big bully. I love you. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Shay Cornette and Jordan Cornette here filling in for the guys. And we are presented by Progressive Insurance. You want to have a little chat? Let's talk. CC call in line 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Here's what we can talk about. Who needs to have a better game in game two than they had in game one? On line one is Jordan Cornette. Jordan, I'm going to speak for you, and then I'll let you pontificate. Um, the Knicks-Cavs series, as advertised, fantastic game one out of the gates. Knicks win in Cleveland. Game two, going to be even better. Do you think the Cavs will get a rebound? I don't know. But here's what I do know is that you believe, and I agree with you, R.J. Barrett needs to wake up in Cleveland. Yeah, look, R.J. Barrett would have the most pressure of anybody in these playoffs if he was a greater star. He has the ability to be a star, so that's why he's not the unanimous pick to have the most pressure, but he has a decent amount of it. And I'll lay out why R.J. Barrett for the New York Knicks has pressure on him. This is a guy in R.J. Barrett. Yes, the Knicks went into Cleveland and won game one on the road. Well, that was because Julius Randle, coming off of injury, had 19 points set the tone with a double-double 19-10. From there, Jalen Brunson, who should be the fourth, who should get the fourth most votes for MVP if it worked that way, would be 27 points in that game, carrying them home in the second half. Jalen Brunson has been everything for the Knicks. They're supposed to be a three-headed monster, and that third head of the monster is supposed to be R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett went for seven points on two of 12 shooting. He was virtually... Uh, a nothing burger on the court offensively in terms of being a threat. Sure, he had six assists. That's great. He didn't rebound nearly enough from his position with four assists. He didn't even defend that well. But more importantly, he provided nothing offensively with seven points. Context here. Donovan Mitchell on the other side. Donovan Mitchell was everything for the Cleveland Cavs. 38 points, the reason why they were in that game down at the end, because he made shot after shot. He's one of the best players in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell is not a Nick, partially because R.J. Barrett was an immovable piece, according to the Knicks front office. They would not move R.J. Barrett in any of the deals that could potentially have been made because they said, this guy's a foundational piece. On the other side of the court is Donovan Mitchell, who might be able to single-handedly put that team on his back and maybe win this series. And on the other side is a guy the Knicks didn't want to move in R.J. Barrett, Why who had seven points. Why are you yelling because, at me? Because, Shay, R.J. Barrett <laughs> must be better for the Knicks to maybe win game two, maybe win this series, and maybe make some noise in these playoffs. But if he he lays another egg, that New York media is going to eat him alive and say, wait, we're devoid of Donovan Mitchell because this is the guy we wanted to keep? RJ's got to be better. Yeah, I agree with you. And look, I think Knicks fans today, I, well, look, Jay and I live in, in kind of the New York area, living in Connecticut, and so we get local New York radio. And I was listening to it a lot today when I was in the car running some errands, and I, I was hearing like the praises of the New York Knicks and how 
great this game one win was because R.J. Barrett didn't play so well, because they didn't shoot great from three. Like, if they can improve those, you would like to think that they can steal two on the road. Okay, another guy that we talked a lot about who needs to have a better game two, and again, feel free to weigh in, 888-729-3776, 888-SAY-ESPN, who needs to have, who needs to step it up, I should say, in game two. Another guy that we've pointed to and we've talked about today, outside of Kevin Durant, is Chris Paul. Uh, Clippers get the best of the Phoenix Suns. I think a lot of people, myself included, thought the Suns would run away with this one, and that just simply was not the case. Um, And when you look at Chris Paul, he only had seven points in that game. Uh, He did grab quite a few rebounds. Uh, He had had 11 boards. Yeah, 11 boards. Yeah, 11 boards with 10 defensive rebounds, which is is good. Um, Nah, he's he's a superstar in his windows closed. He's a Hall of Famer. He needs to be better. One of the best at his position. They brought in Kevin Durant to, to win a championship, and Chris Paul didn't have much to do with anything. I'm looking at this box score, though, too. Did you know DeAndre Ayton took more shots than Kevin Durant? That's where the ire was drawn from a lot of people. Kevin Durant was very tentative in that first quarter. Extremely tentative in that third quarter, and yeah, worse than all, tentative down the stretch of the final 10 minutes of the game. Yeah, you can't have that. Um, anyways, uh, but on the Phoenix Suns, you could point to two guys. Yes, Kevin Durant, as you pointed out, and t- you and Jay Will both talked about you know, at length, but then also, obviously, Chris Paul. The window's closing. The pressure is on him. Before the playoffs even started, we had this conversation. How many times can this Phoenix Suns team get as close as they've been in years past, and now you had Kevin Durant and you don't win? You can't have it. you got to figure it out, and it needs to be sooner rather than later because you're playing a guy in Kawhi Leonard and this Clippers team who showed up and showed you, like, they're not going down without a fight. That's for certain. Yeah, and forget, like, talking about coming out of the Western Conference. Forget talking about playing for an NBA championship. They've got to try and get past an L.A. Clippers team with Kawhi Leonard saying, bring all the smoke, KD. I'll give you buckets, and I'm going to turn around on the other side. I'm going to guard you, and I'm going to get the best of you. So Kevin Durant needs to take on that challenge. He needs to be more aggressive. Chris Paul needs to be more of a shot maker. He's getting clean looks. He's got to be more of a distributor in the PNR. Uh, he's got to dictate pace for this team. He's also obviously got to stay healthy because that's something that's plagued him in the postseason. Uh, but there's a ton of pressure on the Suns. I, I, you could argue, Shay. The Suns have more pressure than any team in the playoffs if that's the avenue in which you wanted to go down. Yeah, well, just because of what they've given up to go get a guy like Kevin Durant. Obviously, if you have Durant on your roster midway through the season, the pressure automatically is building. That's for certain. Tonight, though, if you want to catch some NBA playoffs, Nets at Sixers, 730. Warriors at Kings then go at 10. Uh Nets at Sixers. It's like the Celtics series. It feels like it's a foregone conclusion. The Sixers are going to run away with it. But, hey, the Nets kind of hung, they hung around. They hung around in game one. Is there anything they can do tonight to steal a win? Well, they're going to try and do the same thing, right? They're going to try and throw doubles at Embiid and try and limit, uh, arguably, the NBA's MVP this season. But the problem is uh, 43 three-point attempts from the Sixers, and they made 21 of them. I mean, this is a group that shot nearly 50% from three, and when, that's 63 of your points coming from triples that are clean looks because you're going to double down on Embiid, limit him, but fully gifted guys. I haven't even mentioned James Harden yet, and him being another year comfortable in this system. It's too much weaponry. Uh, the Sixers are a wildly inconsistent team. I don't know how they'll fare moving forward in these playoffs. Uh, my love affair with Joel Embiid, I'd love to see him have a chance to represent the East and play for a title because I think he's been consistently great and overlooked. Um, but this series is going to be four, four and out. Maybe five games, but no more than that. Sixers will walk me, away with this. You were looking at me sideways when I was saying that it feels like the Sixers are going to run away with it. Did you not agree with that? No, you, you said I looked like, at you sideways when you said, could they do something in this series? Oh, okay. I and I don't believe saying. the Nets can do anything 
in this series to stop what is a team constructed uh, to win around Joel Embiid. And, hey, we said this yesterday. It feels like this Nets team, look, they're they're a good team, I'm not, but it feels like they're here because of what Kevin Durant did when he was on that roster throughout the entirety of the regular season. Yeah, the wins them, that they stacked. Yeah. yeah, to help them stack some wins to get in this position in the first place. And you have a wildly different roster now than you did a couple months ago, and you're playing against a 76ers team that has so many stars. And they're undersized with that front line to really challenge a guy like Embiid and Tobias Harris. Uh, look, I love Mikel Bridges. I think he's he's his star power is only growing, uh, but this is not a team suited to try and make any noise in a first-round series versus Embiid and the Sixers. They're just not. Canty and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can help you protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. And if something wasn't mentioned that you had in mind, find out if you can be covered at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE because it probably can be. The 2023 NFL Draft. Live from Kansas City's historic Union Station, it all begins with round one. The Carolina Panthers are on the clock. Thursday, April 27th at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Man, it's that time of year. Just when you think the Super Bowl's over, there's not a lot going on, think again. 11 days away now from the start of the NFL draft. We're in the middle of those NBA playoffs. Major League Baseball's got something to say about all this, and there is just a lot. Dudes are getting paid like Jalen Hurts. Hey, Um, And there's a lot going on. Shea Cornette, Jordan Cornette, uh, hosting here on Canty and Carlin, but you can hear Canty and Carlin because they are hosting ESPN's radio coverage of the NFL draft. It's a grind. They'll be great at it. Um, And it's already getting interesting this is about that time jay where everyone's mock drafts start changing guys are rising and falling because we're getting close and the pressure is starting to build no different are the texans their gm nick casario spoke about that number two pick and how the chips might be falling take a listen to nick casario we've received some calls on the number two pick so i think our job and responsibility is to listen and not rule anything out i think whatever the end result is come thursday you know, we'll be prepared to go um, either way. So if you want to quote me, are we open for business? I'd say we're open to listening. So if you want to change the vocabulary this year a little bit, but uh, we have received a few calls. And again, I think our responsibility is to listen, um, to try to take the information in and then just make the right decision. Okay, so of course the Bears did have the number one overall pick. They already worked out a trade with the Carolina Panthers, so the Panthers now have that number one overall pick. What it sounds like is going to happen is that Bryce Young was going to go out of Alabama to the Panthers at number one, and then C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, was going to go number two to the Houston Texans. Well, now Nick Casario is saying, hey, we might be open for business, so does that now open the door perhaps for something for someone other than a quarterback being taken at number two? And if so, what does that mean for this very deep quarterback class? Here's Adam Schefter. What if the run on quarterbacks gets a little bit delayed? What if it's a little bit later to start than people thought? We've been hearing about quarterbacks going one, two, three, four. That's not going to happen, I don't believe, in this draft. And what would happen if and when we've seen Carolina make the move up right away, right away for a quarterback at one, but we haven't seen anybody trade up to two when Houston's open to listening? We haven't seen anybody trade up to number three because you know what? I think Indianapolis thinks there's a real chance right now that they could sit right where they are at four and get potentially the second quarterback in this draft. 
there's a chance we might not see a quarterback go at two or even three, and there might not be a team that you trades mean, up because the value in that what? isn't what we thought it would be. So Indianapolis <laughs> may be sitting there with its pick in the litter, Anthony so Richardson or Will Levis or C.J. Stroud. No, 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 no. We're not going to do this, right? Me, me and you aren't going to fall for the head fake. We're already going to watch the draft. We're already we're already going to pay attention to the draft. We don't need to be sold a false bill of goods of intrigue to be created that is clearly nonsense, right? Why do you You're not so? buying any of that. But it makes perfect sense. Panthers take a quarterback at one. That's, it sounds like yeah. it's going to be Bryce Young. Great, fine. But then if the Texans trade their number two pick and the number three pick looks like it's not going to be a quarterback, why, why would, at number four couldn't the Colts go get a quarterback? But why wouldn't two at the Texans take one of those quarterbacks? Because maybe they can work out a deal. To get a quarterback? To get a quarterback later in the draft. Maybe they like someone other than C.J. Stroud. Maybe they think Will Levis is their dude. I don't know. Okay, that's a quarterback. Right, but oh, you're saying to trade later. You're saying trade down and go get Yeah, him. you I could trade saying. him later. But all these rumors, because we were, oh, is Lamar Jackson maybe going to be in a trade with the Indianapolis Colts? Which, let me just tell you this. I told Jordan, I, Jordan and I talked about this yesterday. I love that. Let me tell you this. I would love it too because I want to see Lamar Jackson succeed. And if it's not going to be with the Baltimore Ravens, I would like it to be somewhere where they have weapons around him that can boost him up. But the Indianapolis Colts have swung and missed year after year after year with a quarterback, with a head coach. And if you want to point to all the talent around those quarterbacks like Jonathan Taylor, he was a non-factor in a lot of games last year. And so the Indianapolis Colts, you know I get all, all worked up about you the Colts. You hate the Colts. I get worked up about the Colts. I don't Colts. know why you hate the Colts. So I don't hate them, but I get worked up about them because it feels like the experiments need to come to a, a, a raging halt with the coaches and the quarterbacks, and it needs to start this year. They have no option, in my opinion, but to go into the draft and trying to build a team and a quarterback around that person because it has been a failed experiment bringing these veterans in and trying to adjust to what they do. You think you can just insert Lamar Jackson and and the Indianapolis Colts are going to figure this thing out with a brand-new head coach? To me, that feels like it's doing a disservice to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I I hear you there, but desperation, uh, people start scrapping and trying to find, look, it's a quarterback-driven league. All these teams that feel like they're fortified and positioned to win have found their quarterback. The piece that had been evading the Colts, it felt like for so long, was a quarterback, but then the offensive line started to win. Defensively, they had some injuries and weren't the team, and everything started to collapse with the Colts. And so now they're thinking, let's get back to the foundational piece. Offensive line is going to be healthy. Defensively, we're going to be healthy. We're going to be there. Let's go get our quarterback. To me, she, I guess it's just a matter of how, and this is what always happens in a draft. We're not at the combine. We're not watching these guys on their pro day. We don't have the information that they have, but... By all accounts, I believe C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to be great pros. And there are going to be foundational pieces that help an organization get to where they want to go. And if if that baseline knowledge is there, then don't get cute with this. Go build on a rookie contract with a guy that you feel like can be a difference maker. Don't get too cute with it. Now, for Nick Casario, I totally understand it. Why wouldn't you keep all options on the table? Why wouldn't you see the level of desperation at other places and see what you can go get? Maybe you can get a veteran quarterback that you believe is a great – maybe Lamar Jackson finds a way. Who knows what kind of options could present themselves. So in that camp, sure, I see no problem with it. But I just think you're looking at two quarterbacks that are built for this, in my opinion, in C.J. Stroud and in Bryce Young at one and two. 
And I just don't see how you overthink that and go a different route unless you just get an offer you simply can't refuse. I mean, look what the Bears got. I mean, the Bears didn't need a quarterback, and I'm happy they did this. But the we're Bears... not talking about what the Bears have done historically at two, okay, trading okay, up for okay. it, are we? Because we no, would never want to mention but I'm Mitch saying, Trubisky in this conversation. I'm saying, I'm saying that <laughs> what they gave, what the Carolina Panthers gave them for that number one overall, it was you couldn't turn that down. No, of course. So if the Texans are open for business and someone offers something astronomical like that, you can't turn that down, no matter how. But the difference you feel like is, you need a the Bears didn't need the quarterback. That is the spot that's different. If the Bears didn't have a Justin Fields and we're looking at some of those quarterbacks we had unfortunately seen in the last few seasons, that deal that's presented doesn't get taken. Okay, let me ask you this. Let's say the Colts really like C.J. Stroud. There's a chance the Texans don't trade the number two pick and they take him, but they really like him. Do they play the Bill Belichick? Wait, like he did with Mac Jones. He waited it out. He was patient and he waited it out. Remember how it went on draft night. Do the Colts take that approach? Let's just wait it out. Let's just wait to see what happens. Let's wait to see what happens. Well, three's or, not gonna, or three's not going to be a quarterback. Three's not going to be a quarterback, but two could. And maybe that's where C.J. Stroud goes. Do they wait it out and risk it? And maybe there's a trade that happens, or maybe the Texans like someone else? Or do they go ahead and they get aggressive and they make a trade to move up to two and let Texans I think, I think that four. all comes down to, when you talk about the Colts now from that perspective, is what do they value the third best quarterback at? Assuming the first two quarterbacks do go one and two. What do they think of uh, Anthony Richardson? What do they think of a Will Levis? Look, I, I think Hendon Hooker is not going to go that high. No, but I think Hendon Hooker could find himself being a first, first round, round. Yeah, first too. round quarterback. I, I mean, I hear a lot of glowing things being said about a guy that, because of his age and injury, people are also starting to back off of. But I see a very talented quarterback there. Who knows? I think Hendon Hooker could have this meteoric rise in this draft. Not up to the top five, but somewhere higher in the first round than we would have ever imagined. We always see the sad faces of the guy that slips to the second round. Who's it going to be? Obviously, last year we didn't see a quarterback taken. It felt like forever until Kenny Pickett finally came off the board. I believe it was pick 20 um, midway through the first round. He was the only quarterback taken in the first round. What would you do if you're the Texans? I'm curious because you entertained all these potential ideas. Uh, you sucked for a reason. I think you stay there and you take a quarterback and you take the guy that you think is immediately going to make an impact on your roster. Which we believe collectively in this household, Bryce Young goes one. Yeah, I think Bryce Young goes one. And I, according to what everyone's saying, too, like he's blowing scouts and franchises away. Which... And I think the thing that just differentiates him from the, from the games I've watched, which I cover in college football this year, I watched a ton as a host, the escapability of Bryce Young. The, the ability to audible with his feet and the willingness to do so while being a, a, a precise passer who can throw a deep ball and then also the leadership qualities that he has. I think that's where he distanced himself from a very, very impressive prospect in C.J. Stroud. So I, I don't think you miss if you get Stroud. But I think that there's the more alluring guy to me is Bryce Young. All right. We'll find out in about 10, 11 days because that will be the start of round one of the 2023 NFL Draft. Can't wait. Coming up, we're going back to the NBA because we've got games to play in these playoffs tonight. We'll discuss what we can expect from the Kings in game two later on tonight. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. 
Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. He fires. He misses. Bones with a rebound. And Sacramento has won game number one. After 17 years without a playoff experience, they have risen to the occasion. Once I saw the roster that was that was being built, I thought that we could be really good. And I think it took us a while to gel together throughout the season. But at the end of the day, I think we're a pretty good team right now. It's a long journey, and we just got to keep taking it one step at a time. It's a long journey, but we got one game in the bag if you are a Kings fan. That is for certain. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Shea Cornette and Jordan Cornette filling in for the guys, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. We've got NBA playoff basketball tonight. Back in action, Nets and Sixers started out at 7.30 Eastern and followed by the nightcap Warriors and Kings. It's a 10 o'clock Eastern tip. Now, Kings already secured game one. What's going to happen in game two? Let's welcome in Mark Jones, ESPN NBA, Sacramento Kings play-by-play voice. Hey, Mark, what's going on? All right, we got a good game tonight. Obviously, Kings trying to take care of business and move this series to 2-0. and A simple question here, can they do it? Can they light the beam again? I think they can. You know, when you look at the great uh, leadership and production of De'Aaron Fox and the fact that Domas Sabonis didn't have one of his customary 18, 12, and 7 ball games, shots as 5 for 17, there's still a lot of upside and capacity there to be filled up for Sacramento. Of course, after game one, right, that's when the fun starts and you can expect a bunch of adjustments made by the Warriors, uh, most of all on their defensive rebounding. They were out-rebounded on the offensive glass 17-9, to so uh, that's going to be something. I would think that uh, they're going to see um, a little bit more. Sacramento's going to see a different type of coverage uh, tonight on De'Aaron Fox because, uh, man, he was hotter than fish grease, 38 in that game, and you know they're gonna, I, I would be surprised if Steve Kerr didn't do something different. Jonesy, I remember being out there in Vegas with you a year ago working in uh, NBA Summer League alongside you. Uh, One of my great joys being able to sit alongside a guy I admire so much. But one of the things you said was, I'm telling you, Jordan, I'm not homering this thing because I do their their play-by-play, but these kings are coming. What did you see that you knew they'd be on this fast track to be where they are right now uh, playing legitimate basketball and a true threat in the Western Conference? Man, Jordan, you right. Tried to tell him, bro. Tried <laughs> he, to did. Tell him. <laughs> he did. He did. He did. Here's the deal. Like, when we saw them in Summer League, Jordan, they were running a lot of the same stuff that um, Mike Brown was going to implement in the next couple of months in terms of their offensive uh, sets. And 
the, the system, uh, push four, push five, a lot of uh, ball movement, player movement, a lot of DHO action, dribble handoffs, pin downs, and it was really custom made to the personnel that they had at the time and that they still have. And, you know, it's really unlocked De'Aaron Fox. It's unlocked uh, Domas Sabonis. Both of them were all-stars this year. Kevin Herter has found a rebirth uh, in the type of offense that Mike Brown runs. It's headed up by Jay Triano as assistant coach. And, you know, he and Keegan Murray, who fills out the starting five with Harrison Barnes, everybody figured out where they're going to be able to eat. And it's been a seamless transition into the highest rated offense in the tracking era. And, you know, De'Aaron Fox is the engine of all that. Um, He has been, you know, an all-NBA player all season, uh, especially the offensive end. What he did in game one, it's like I said at one point, on ABC in game one, I said, if you're watching the Kings for the first time, folks, this is what De'Aaron Fox has been doing all season. And I'm not exaggerating, especially in the fourth quarter. You know, his his fourth quarter scoring is second only to Kyrie Irving. Uh, He's the best clutch time player in the NBA, Uh, clutch time field goal percentage, clutch time points. And then Sabonis is a regular 18, 12, and 7 guy. It all adds up to, uh, you could see it being foreshadowed in the desert of Las Vegas and some of the movement and some of the things they were running even then. Should have taken him to the table, Shay. I don't know why. Knowing that that my basketball Buddha. I'm not allowed to by rule. You know, I watched the seminar and we're not allowed to bet, but, you know, friends can. (laughs) Seriously, what kind of friend? Um, (laughs) Talking to Mark Jones right now, ESPN, NBA, Sacramento Kings, play-by-play voice. He does it all for us on the NBA front. It's Mark Jones uh, joining us on Canty and Carlin. Shea Cornette, Jordan Cornette filling in for the guys. All right, so let's go to the Warriors side of things here just for a minute. What can the Warriors do? Because, look, this was a really tight game. It was arguably one of the best game ones of the playoffs thus far, and you know the Warriors are going to come back with a vengeance now, a little chip on their shoulder after losing game one, and, and the crowd that was in it and will be in it again tonight. What can the Warriors do to combat what the Kings do so well? Well, you know what? Like, Steph Curry was Steph Curry pretty much, right? 6-14 mm-hmm. of 14 on his threes, ended up with 30 points. He needed 33 outside of that last shot that missed. He's pretty much going to be the same Steph Curry, unless he he can always explode for a 50-piece. But, you know, I, I think the incremental improvement comes in Wiggins' minutes and potentially with uh, Jordan Poole's production. He was just 4 for 10 and played 22 minutes in that game. So there's the upside for Golden State. And I, I would expect that De'Aaron Fox is going to see something different defensively from yeah. – um, the Warriors. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they hit him with the, when he comes over midcourt. You know, they trap him a little bit more, try and take the ball out of his hands. Um, because to be able to let him walk up into his mid-range jump shots where he's been lethal this year is a formula for deceit if they're going to let him do that again, which I don't think they will. So uh, I think there'll be some schematic changes for the Warriors uh, on the defensive end. And to their credit, you know, there was a huge discrepancy in their defensive rating at home versus on the road this year. And they played good defense on the road yesterday, on, in game one. Rotationally, there's a lot of conversation about uh, when to sit Steph and 
Do they need to up the minutes with Steph? I mean, it seems very extreme in terms of being reactionary just off of one game, but that 23-11 run from Coach Brown's Kings, uh, in a way, kind of set the tone for how the finish of the game would play because of the election to sit Steph at the end of that third quarter, bleeding into that fourth. Do you think Coach Kerr makes any adjustment there or kind of sticks with the game plan? Because he's been here before. Yeah, yeah, this is nothing new for Golden State. I mean, that's the regular rotation. I don't think there's any need to uh, stretch Steph's minutes out anymore. I mean, he played a total of 37, and that's kind of right on par for uh, his playoff minutes. It's within the deviation and the norm. So I don't think that was a big factor. I just think Fox took the game over at the wrong time for them, and he got going in that third quarter and in the fourth quarter. And uh, that kind of put it away and gave – it really got Sacramento back to playing the type of ball that they like to play. And, you know, uh, Clay Thompson was eight for 19. Um, that, that's, you know, five for 14 on threes. He'll probably shoot a little bit better. Uh, I, I think, like I said, the big part is going to be how they defend, um, how Looney defends Sabonis. If he gives them space, Jordan, mm-hmm. like he did in game one, Sabonis has to be better about eating that space up or else Golden State couldn't come out with a different outcome regardless of the – amount of minutes that Steph plays. We're looking forward to it. It's a 10 o'clock Eastern tip between the Kings and the Warriors in game two of round one of the playoffs. And Mark Jones, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Great stuff as always. And we'll be listening and watching. Of course. Thanks, Jonesy. Appreciate you guys, Jordan. You guys keep up the great work. All right. Talk to you Thanks, soon. brother. Appreciate you. Thanks, Mark. See you later. That's Mark Jones, ESPN, NBA, Man. Sacramento Kings, play-by-play boys. You can hear him pretty much everywhere in regards to the NBA, and you can follow him on Twitter at Mark Jones ESPN. All right, coming up, we got an update on Giannis's health. We got Jordan's play of the night. Take that with a grain of salt, and we got three and out. See you why you do that? You don't want to miss it. It's Canty and Carlin. What kind of tease is that? On ESPN grain of salt. Radio. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Oh, yeah, we got NBA basketball back in, back tonight is all I'm going to say here. Nets and Sixers start at 730 Eastern, and then Warriors-Kings is the nightcap. A fantastic game one. Kings take a one nothing series lead over the Warriors, but the tip is at 10 p.m. So 730 Nets-Sixers. Again, Sixers lead one nothing, and then Warriors-Kings. Kings lead one nothing. Can they take... Uh, can they take a two-game series lead? Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Shea Cornette and Jordan Cornette filling in for the guys. It's been a good last couple of hours. But now we got to get you set for what we're going to see tonight in Kings and Warriors. And that leads us to the play of the night. Time to earn some cash. The taste of money, the smell of wealth. Canty and Carlin's best play of the night. The taste of money. The taste of money, the smell of wealth, and that is what Jordan is going to give you in his play of the night. Now, Clay Thompson had a good game one, but you think he's going to have a fantastic game two. He had a decent game one. Look, he had about his scoring average, hovered right around that 21-point total. 
But Clay Thompson wasn't efficient, Shay. He was 5 of 14 from three. Kings threw a box and one defense on Steph Curry and said, hey, look, you're the best player on the floor. We're not going to let you beat us. We'll let the others beat us. Problem is, Clay Thompson ain't no other, Shay. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best three point shooters the game's ever seen. He was very frustrated with his shooting performance from beyond the arc. He was even more frustrated with the line of questioning from the media saying the shot selection wasn't savory. And that led to the inefficiency. And Clay Thompson's sitting there thinking, Are y'all kidding me? Do you not see? Do you not know who I am? I make the tough shots. I thrive in those spots. I'm an efficient shooter, one of the most efficient the game's ever seen. He is expected, the number is set at 22.5 points for Clay Thompson. 22.5 points. I think his average is 21, 22 points a game. My man's going off for 30, an efficient 30. And in the first few minutes of the game, you're going to see the eye of the tiger. You're going to see a legend locked in. You're going to see him... Uh, I would like to send you a reminder. Clay Thompson's going over 22.5 points. And let's go same game, par- same game parlay with this one. Warriors are two-point favorites, which means people are expecting the Warriors to win the game. They're going to make the proper adjustments here. Kings are going to find it hard to get up from the high of that game one win. Give me the Warriors to win and do it by more than two points. As for the over in this game, Pretty high, 423. What? That can't be. 200. 239. I was yeah. like, what? It's plus 423. It's pretty high at 239. Uh, again, the, the other one went well over that, but the number will come down. I'd say take the over on 239.5 as well. So there's your same game parlay. Warriors cover two. Well, the game goes over 239.5, and, and Clay Thompson goes over 22.5 points. My highest confidence is in a Clay Thompson over 22.5 points. He's been saying it for the last four hours, so we better be confident in it. Okay, looking forward to that game between the Warriors and Kings. Remember, NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in Wednesday as the Grizzlies host the Lakers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Sometimes it's the worst. Worst. Sometimes it's the best. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. All right, here we go. Three and out. Our first out. Giannis Antetokounmpo received an MRI on his injured back that kept him out of the game uh, yesterday. He had a leave in the first half, did not return, but the MRI came back clean. Coach Mike Budenholzer said this afternoon that it was an optimistic update one day after that lower back contusion forced him to sit the rest of the game yesterday, and the Miami Heat did get the W. So, Jordan, without a healthy Giannis, can Miami take this series? Uh, they can because they've got a, a nucleus of guys who've won a championship there, and you'll lean most heavily on them, starting with a guy like Chris Middleton who had 31. Drew Holiday had 16. He's got to be more effective in that game. They have the pieces. However, what tilts in that series is the Bucks no longer have the best player on the floor because that is Giannis, and that's usually Giannis any game he plays in. Now that becomes Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler elevates his game to an entirely different level come playoff time, and everybody lifts around him. But Miami's also without Tyler Hero, uh, and they're going to need a shot maker like that because the Heat are the 24th most efficient offense in the NBA. Now look, they were able to score 120-plus against the Bucks in Game 1. Bucks will be better defensively. The Bucks can still win this series without Giannis. It'll just take seven games. I do not believe the Bucks can win a championship without 
Giannis. I do not believe the Bucks can win another series without Giannis, but they could probably do it in seven games versus the Heat without Giannis. But you don't want to be in that spot. Yeah, no, not at all. Okay, there's a phrase. A series doesn't start until the road team wins a game. Do you believe that? No, I mean, I, I hate the phrase because it's not all-encompassing. You know, it definitely makes it more intriguing, and it puts uh, a, a, a sense of urgency on a team that gives up one at home because then you got to go chase one on the road. But this is the playoffs. I mean, this is you're getting multiple efforts defensively from guys. You're getting game plans that are more locked in adjustments are amplified every game is a grind and to be quite honest i've seen guys go win decisive game sevens on the road and do these kind of things it it just it doesn't define a series and 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 more often than not somebody steals one and it gets given right back on the other in the other setting so i do not believe that to be true i don't either i I don't really abide by defense wins championships either but oh i uh, (laughs) yeah Uh, I, i do believe in that one all right let's go to our third out here love is blind what the heck, Netflix? What happened last night? Now, lucky in this household, we had other things to watch, obviously. Yeah, the playoffs were on. The playoffs were on. I, some people were interested in succession. But come on, you can't schedule a live reunion, Netflix, and not be on time and ready for not it. Not only on time, uh, but it, it didn't come out at all last I, night. What the heck? What kind of timing and preparation are we? What are we doing? And y'all are trying to get live sports? I mean, yeah. look, I... I don't know how you're going to do it, but let me tell you this. I would, I did want to see the drama. I wanted to see if Paul did grab uh, homegirl's booty in the in the bridal party. I did want to see uh, the one girl that did uh, my, my boy Dirty. No. Oh, I forget her uh, name. Brown skin girl did my boy Dirty. I wanted to see that one, too. Uh, so we got something to watch at some point. It won't be tonight. Exactly. It won't be tonight. Playoffs again tonight. Playoffs again tonight, and they go wee into the night. All right, coming up, Joey and Amber is next. See you guys later. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.